0: I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth admission Last night was the Golden State Warriors preseason opener, but for Warriors fans, the start of the basketball season has definitely not been a smooth one, and that's thanks to one guy.
1: Back is definitely against the wall, um, but I'm just going to keep fighting for what I believe, and who knows, I'm just going to... You know, keep fighting for what I believe and what I believe is
0: right. That's Andrew Wiggins, the Warriors' starting small forward who had resisted getting a COVID-19 vaccine. That was him speaking to reporters in late September, standing firm in his beliefs to not get the vaccine. The NBA isn't requiring its players to be vaccinated, but Wiggins would not have been allowed inside Chase Center for games and practices. That's because San Francisco has mandated full vaccination for indoor entertainment. It meant he would have had to forfeit half his season salary, and his absence from the team for home games would have been a huge blow for the Warriors. But the story has a happy ending for the Warriors. Coach Steve Kerr announced on Sunday that Wiggins had finally received the vaccination, allowing the preseason to tip off with Wiggins, fully eligible to play. But San Francisco Chronicle columnist Justin Phillips says the drama around Wiggins was revealing of much more than an NBA player's personal beliefs colliding with the city's vaccine mandate. He says, America's been having the wrong conversation when it comes to Wiggins, especially when it comes to the Black community. Justin, as a Warriors fan, I'm relieved that Andrew Wiggins finally received the COVID-19 vaccine. In your column, though, you say the actual issue here is about healthcare access and not vaccine hesitancy. Tell me why.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not even a Warriors uh lifer like a warrior super fan i grew up in louisiana so it was like either the hornets okay. or the pelicans not to say that we have a bunch of stuff to like you know highlight down there but that that's my team <laughs> i still like wiggins you know i still like the warriors and i think um i think what what i was talking about what it represented is more like a an access to information right like you mm-hmm. have as celebrities as professional athletes Um, You know, Steph Curry interviewed Dr. Fauci. You know, if we go to the NFL, Marshawn Lynch had a sit down with Dr. Fauci. Like, uh, you know, you'll have agents, you'll have other players They can reach out to like top neurosurgeons. These teams facilitate these conversations. So NBA players, celebrities, like they're the closest to um, really, really high quality information. And that's not something Mm -hmm. that the regular NBA fan or anybody else really knows. So it's like a it it represents the the gap between like what everyday people like low income people in neighborhoods might get as far as information goes compared to what um you know like privileged athletes get there's just a difference there's just a huge difference
0: so then how does something like the nba league illuminate these healthcare access issues that you t- you're talking about
1: yeah it's a that's a great question so You know, nationally, we're, what is it, like 50, 60% vaccinated of eligible people are vaccinated. Uh, If you look at the numbers for black and brown populations, they're much lower. You know, you could see them at 30% or less. And the NBA is a predominantly black league. I think it's like, you know, 74, 75% black as far as the players go. Yet their vaccination rates are above 90%. You know, the WNBA is predominantly black and brown, and their vaccination rate is, like, at 99%. The NFL is predominantly black, and its vaccination rate is extremely high. So, you know, if you have all of these black and brown people um, in these leagues and they are getting vaccinated – like it tells you that it's about the information about the shot that they're getting. Like they're able to talk to the professionals who can ease their concerns. They're able to talk to the doctors who can reassure them, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and this is just league mandated healthcare, but it's like premier opportunities to, uh, to speak to people in the know. And it's, it's obviously calm, you know, ease some concerns. It's, you know, LeBron James was on that journey. Um, Kent Bazemore for the Lakers. Like he, Talked about a similar journey. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these players talk about, quote, doing their own research, but now that the offseason's over and they're getting back with their teams, like they're getting this access, like being able to talk to these doctors. So it says a lot. Like the the NBA's high vaccination rate says a lot.
0: And and why was the attention specifically around Wiggins? Frustrating to you, especially when it comes to issues around vaccine hesitancy in the Black community.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's already a hurdle that you have to clear, right? Like we know, Mm -hmm. like we have an entire American history to go back on to see that the American healthcare system hasn't prioritized Black and Brown folks, Black people especially. You know, we've been abused by it, mistreated by it, so there's a reason not to trust it. Uh, Going into this pand, as this pandemic kind of went on you know that was a hurdle like getting people to trust the system like all of a sudden they got a vaccine for me like why am i why am i going to trust this that's going to be a hurdle right and then uh you know if you have a national narrative of hey look there are these you know high profile black athletes you know Kyrie Irving you know Andrew Wiggins like these people that are holding out cuz they don't trust it like it fits into the narrative that uh, the black community is facing this like uphill battle when it comes to vaccine hesitancy. And right now you're looking for anything that can make it easier to get more people um, the shot, to get more people healthy, to get more people safe. And having that narrative play out so wide and so loud um, and have, you know, a black person be the face of it. Like, it's tough, man. It's It's tough to see. And it doesn't make the process
0: any easier. Right. And one of the key points you made in your column is that, of course, you know, the Black community isn't a monolith, even though stories about vaccine hesitancy tends to paint the population as a monolith. We actually did an episode a little while back about how in Oakland's Fruitvale District, cultural fluency with the Latino population, helping them sign up for the vaccine has been super effective. Why do you think there is this tendency to paint Vaccine hesitancy in communities of color with broad brushstrokes like this.
1: I think, and and that's very cool that that you guys highlighted that. And I think it's because it's easy. Mm -hmm. Like, When times are extremely complicated, I don't care what the situation is, if it's like a global issue, a national issue, like it's easy to rely on the simple narratives because you don't have to think too much. It's like, oh, that kind of makes sense. But if you break something down and get into, you know, like you mentioned, like cultural fluency or something like that, like that's complicated. And we're in a, uh, let's just be real, like we're in a complicated time and it's conversations worth having. But I think it's those broad brushstrokes make it um, make these complicated situations more digestible for a lot of people. And uh, mm. it's, you know, it's problematic, but that's kind of where we are.
0: I want to play a clip from the Warriors Media Day on September 27th, where Wiggins answered a question from a reporter about his reluctance around getting the vaccine.
1: Andrew, you seem pretty convinced. Um, what's the reason for not just explaining what you believe? Because um, yeah, it's none of your business. That's what it comes down to, <laughs> you know. I don't ask you guys about your beliefs. I don't ask you guys what you think is right or wrong. You know, we're different people. Who are you guys who have to explain what I believe? Or, you know, what's right or what's wrong in my mind? We're two totally different people.
0: So Wiggins didn't want to publicly discuss his decision. Do you think he was entitled to his privacy as a public figure in some way?
1: Yeah, I was kind of wrestling with this one, you know, because I have like a little bit of a personal perspective. My older brother... Uh, played a little while in the NFL so he was in these positions where you know groups or organizations would ask him to come speak or he would have to you know become politically aware about an issue just in case like the local newspaper called him or something like that you know like it was small level nothing that nothing compared to Wiggins but I can kind of understand the elevated role like how people might hold professional athletes in high regard and You know, want to hear their opinion. So I kind of went back and forth like ah, maybe he doesn't have to speak about it. But then I I kind of landed on that he does because I talked to my brother. But then I also Mm -hmm. talked to, you know, former NBA players and they all talked about uh, the platform. Right. Like whether you want it or not, you're in the public eye and you can. Uh, speak about a lot of issues. You can give voice to the voiceless. Like if you look at LeBron James, mm-hmm. like later on in his career, he became really vocal about social justice issues. And a lot of NBA players uh, took up that mantle. Like they took up that role during uh, the George Floyd protest last summer where they had spoke for all black people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this is another situation where there's something negatively affecting the black community. You know, you have COVID and it's killing a large number of them at a very high rate, you know, more than other groups. So you have a chance to speak about something, to do something that increases their safety. And if we think of it like as an extension of the work that they were doing, that athletes were doing during the George Floyd protests, like this could follow up with that. You're still protecting your people in some way by giving them sound advice. And once I started thinking of it that way and, and talk to people like that's that's what I stuck with. Like, I think he should have. You got a platform like it's an important platform. It's a lot of people at risk right now. You could do something good.
0: But there's also this issue of NBA players being the stand-in as the, the the voice of the entire Black community when, like you said, the Black community isn't a monolith and there's a lot of different views here. Uh, you know, w- what do you make of Wiggins being made as an example from all of this? Do you think that he deserved that much pressure or was he, should he have been allowed to just sort of think through this at his own pace? Honestly,
1: you know, yeah, he should be able to think through it at his own pace. I think the problem was coming out and saying he wasn't going to get it. Because that just lends itself mm. to questioning, right? Because then you have, right. like, black NBA fans who might have been on the fence. They're like, whoa, whoa, And they might be, you know, big Wiggins fans. They're like, whoa, like, Wiggins isn't going to get it? Like, I wonder why. And if he doesn't say anything, there's no explanation given. Like, that doesn't help anything, you know? Like, there are so many NBA fans out there who might genuinely care about what an athlete thinks, and it could influence people. So you can't, you can't be halfway about it. Right. Like, imagine during the George Floyd protest, athletes have come out and been like, man, this is a tough situation. And then left or LeBron mm-hmm. have been like, this is bad. And then didn't say anything else. Like, you, you kind of have to finish your thoughts, especially if you start them in a public space and you're uh, a famous, you know, a famous athlete. It kind of what I've learned is that it comes with the territory.
0: More with Justin Phillips after a short break. He'll talk about how he thinks other players should weigh in on vaccine hesitancy including what he thinks about Draymond Green who said Wiggins should be entitled to his personal beliefs. And if you'd like to hear that episode we did about community ambassadors who have been on the ground in Oakland's unvaccinated communities, scroll back in the Fifth Amendment timeline on your favorite app to August 12th. You can support Fifth Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. We'll be right back. Wiggins' teammate Draymond Green made a statement about how he did not feel like it was his place, even as a team leader, to push the vaccine on Wiggins. And he said this whole issue has become very political when this should be a personal issue. What did you think of that stance?
1: I mean, it seems like that's what a lot of NBA players feel. You know, like it is their brotherhood. Like they don't. And I do think there are conversations that happen where they're like, look, you know, we're going to leave this uh, up to each other. Like, nobody come out and say anyone has to do it. Like, you know, Steph Curry has said the same thing. LeBron has said the same thing. Um, you know, all of these, uh, you know, Oakland Zone. Damian Lillard was like, you know, I got vaccinated, but it's up to each individual. Like, it's a consistent theme throughout. Um, mm-hmm. I do. I wish, you know, that they would be more active in saying that this is a good thing like there are a lot of people who you know if they were to get sick because think about it this way there are uh Jonathan Isaac who plays for the Orlando Magic was like you know my body has natural immunity and you know as uh, I'm in my age demographic and I'm a high performing athlete and so on so forth like I've I'll I'll be okay with COVID like Michael I think Michael Porter Jr. for the Nuggets said the same thing um Mm -hmm. not every NBA fan is in that st- their state of health. They're not going to have world-class trainers. They're not going to have dietitians. They're not going to be of that age range. They're not going to be in this space where they could probably get sick and be okay, right? And so, you know, I get that the NBA players don't want to push each other to do something, but honestly, I do wish that they were uh, a little bit more outspoken, like thinking beyond just the NBA itself, uh, you know, more about like, NBA fans, especially low income, black and brown NBA fans.
0: Yeah. I mean, it it seems like also what I took away from your piece is, you know, sort of just the lack of context and understanding and nuance around why the black people in the black community might be hesitant to get the vaccine. Do you think that there's just this? general lack of patience for allowing people to think through and talk through these issues candidly?
1: Yeah, no, I I definitely think so. Like the the world moves really fast, right? And they want people to make decisions and they want them to happen quickly and then you know when uh, we're a part of we're culprits too like in the media like how we cover these things because if you think back like when all of this vaccine hesitancy first started happening or first started being talked about everyone referenced the tuskegee experiment as being a thing Mm -hmm. i guarantee you like most of the people i know that are of my age range that were hesitant or haven't gotten vaccinated like they probably don't remember what the T- Tuskegee experiment was. They had no influence on them. They're not sure about it. And so, you know, I, th- I think people definitely deserve the space to uh, to think about it and, like, come to their own conclusions. But I think a big part of it is just having that equal access to just high-end information, just the – it's not filtered down. We're not getting it secondhand or mm-hmm. there just needs to be uh, quality information that gets to more of us.
0: hmm So what if we're talking to people who don't have a multi-million dollar salary at stake or access to top-tier doctors who can discuss the vaccine? What do you think is the right approach in chatting with people about vaccine hesitancy that feels mindful of these health inequities?
1: Yeah, maybe the only answer is just being more aggressive. Like there are Black and Brown-led organizations that are out in the community doing this work. And, you know, granted, they don't have like a top neurosurgeon or someone among their ranks who can speak directly to the community. But, you know, whenever situations like this happen and the country trying to react to some inequity, like it feels chaotic because there was no groundwork for it beforehand, mm-hmm. right? So there was nothing laid down beforehand that could address uh, vaccine hesitancy before the pandemic started. So then we we all hit the ground running trying to figure out what to do. And I think, you know, the only solution is to be more aggressive in how the information uh, gets to black and brown communities. And also, you know, like looping in more high end professionals, like just creating that dialogue making it as seamless as possible and uh and you know just have it come directly from reliable sources like that's just the main thing you know black and brown communities just want to be involved and uh and mm-hmm. treated like their concerns are prioritized
0: yeah and the people actually doing that work probably deserved much more amplification than Wiggins did <laughs> around this issue exactly
1: i mean that's the other thing like i i wrote about that uh, in a, in a few columns back just talking about how these black and brown organizations Uh, you know, needed more funding, you know, to be able to pay people Mm -hmm. to go out into the community. That's been a thing that they've been talking about for the longest. And so when I say like, you know, the uh, efforts just being more aggressive, like that includes what you mentioned, that includes funding and support. And, you know, that could even be, uh, look, Marshawn Lynch, when he was talking to Dr. Fauci, said that he wasn't vaccinated, but he was speaking Mm -hmm. to him on behalf of like, his black community, where he was saying they were concerned about it, what are the side effects and so on and so forth, like that's at least a step in the right direction, even if Andrew Wiggins had been like, "I'm not going to get vaccinated, but you know what? maybe y'all should listen to the you know community organizers or the doctors that are in your neighborhoods, like get that information and you decide on your own. I'm going to decide on my own. Boom,
0: like that would have been way, way better, but you know mm-hmm. here we are. Here we are. Well, Justin, thank you so much for your take on this, and uh, even though you're not a warriors. Fan, I hope you enjoy the rest of the basketball season. I mean,
1: look, let let me just say this. I've been (laughs) to multiple Warriors games. I rock with them. Look, in, I want to say it was like 94, there was a chance that the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves were going to be relocated to uh, New Orleans, right? So that means in an alternate universe, I would (laughs) have like had a Wiggins jersey or something. So... you know i rock with all of them like i the warriors
0: if only if only only.
1: only. (laughs) warriors are cool let me just say that listeners warriors are cool i'm cool
0: don't come at justin on twitter don't don't dm all your hate right i'm good we're good (laughs) thank you so much justin thanks for having me Justin Phillips is a columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle. You can find his piece about the Andrew Wiggins controversy at sfchronicle.com or on the Chronicle app. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode and to you for listening.